Now, I don't know what your favorite fruit is. I got, I, I got watermelon over here, grapes over here. There's some strawberries, some pears, just a little bit. And, um, uh, and, and, um, and I just got to thinking about all the fruit that I like. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this fruit before, but it's really my favorite. It's called, they're called crunch berries. <laughs> Captain Crunch has these crunch berries in it. <laughs> I thought you might appreciate that. <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Now, I've been, we've, been, we've been talking about against the wind. And this is really a message, this is a series on, um, a series that has to do with living your faith honestly and, in, and with integrity in the face of, you might say, a progressively uh, hostile culture and environment. Now, it was pretty cool that for the first 200 years of our, of our, of our country, and, and I guess I wasn't around, so I'm not sure about this, but... For the first 200 years of our country, uh, there was a whole lot of uh, uh, there was a whole lot of faith, and 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 you know, it, it, even as I say this, I recognize I'm 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 being I'm being uh, trounced by all the thoughts about how people really didn't live their faith, how our culture didn't really live our faith, even though you could have said that our culture, our our nation was a, a nation that was built on biblical principles. It's true, okay. Um, if you go to the book of Leviticus, if you've ever read that very, very dry book, um, you will find, uh, you might say, the, 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 the foundational uh, foundations of, our, of many of our, our, of our civil laws and our, our justice system. Okay? We know that. We recognize this. Even more so, perhaps, is the, is the influence of the Christian culture and the, the influence of the born-again experience that is found and emanates in the way that we live and the way that we interpret our lives and not only our laws, but the way we deal with each other. I recognize if you look out over our nation, it's not a, it's not a perfect picture of faith, right? In fact, sometimes um, it's, it's a picture of selective faith, very selective faith. So, uh, you know, as, as, as much as you can call a culture a Christian culture, certainly our, our, our country uh, was founded that way, uh, founded in that way, but, but, but there are cracks in the seams. You know what I'm talking about? And as we have progressed further and further toward the end times, and we know that we're in the end times. Now, and I recognize that, that Jesus spoke of, uh, you know, when Jesus came on board, when he, when he made the arrival here, uh, it was technically in times then. Yeah? Because we have a lifespan of, of, of 40 to 70, or, seven, and, or you know what I'm talking about, 70, average 70 years, we have a tendency to look at, it, look at things in a very, very uh, a, a shorter spic- picture, so to speak, in terms of a timeline. But 2,000 years in, in comparison with eternity and all of creation is not a long time. It's a long time for me. 
And it's a long time for you, but it's not a long time for God. Okay? So, as we look at our country and, and we see the way things are going, I don't know, folks. The Scripture tells us, it's very clear, the Scripture tells us if we will humble ourselves. Now, not the country, but the believers. Because the message has always been toward to the church and to the people of God. If you open up that book in front of you, that, that's called a Bible, that was not a message to the rest of the world. That's a message to the people of God. Oh, I recognize that every, God so loved the world, everybody's included and can be, but, but these were messages to the people of God. So when he said, if my people, there it is, who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. That's a, that's a promise. I'll tell you the truth now, as, as easy as that sounds... As simple as that sounds, I, you know, you're gonna, you, I find that a hard sell even in this congregation for a, for a prayer meeting. I find that a hard sell even here. The truth is, and, and I'm, I'm meddling in a little bit, the truth is we're busy. Life is really good for us right now. Life is, you know, and some of you are saying, well, I'm wrestling through some big, big stuff. But the truth is, generally speaking, life is really good. And, and, and here's what, we, what I find. This is human nature. You see it back in the, in, in, the, in the Old Testament times. When God blesses, we have a tendency to forgive, forget about Him. When God fills our, you might say, our silos with grain. And you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? When God fills us and blesses us, gives us health, gives us strength, gives us, the, the, the one thing that we have to be careful for is that we become full and we forget. And we don't have time for Him. It's one of the reasons why God every once in a while, I think it's one reason, not every reason, but one reason why, why God allows some, some difficult time, things to come into our lives. It drives us to our knees. And when we're driven to our knees, we touch His face. We have a connection with Him. He begins to touch our lives. We find the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit and gives us, the you might say, the, the food that we need, the spiritual. What did Jesus say? Man doesn't live by bread alone. Folks, if we fill our lives with the bread of this world, it will never fully satisfy us. It never will. You know, I don't know what your, your dream thing is. And that, that varies with, with gender and age. You know, if I could just have this. You know, if you're, if you're 13, it's like, if I could just have the latest little the, the, the gizmo, right? Okay? If I could just have that, my life will be everything. You know? And then you get it, and you find out your life is not everything. If I can just have this kind, you know, when you're 16, if I could just have that Shelby. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the, 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 the guys are saying, right. If I could just have the Shelby, or if I could just have, have this, or I could have that, or if I could have the motorcycle, or if I could have this, or, and then you get it and you find out it's not enough. You know? And when you're, when you're older, if I could just have that, that right house, that nice house, then you get it and you find out it's not enough. And we could go on and on and on and on and on, but you can't fill that hole with things of this world. It's God. 
It's God. And so when we find ourselves in a place where we're so blessed that we forget about Him, He allows difficulties to come in so that we can find the God who loves us. That wasn't the sermon. Okay? Against the wind. We are, in a sense, as, as you know, like I said, it's an old Bob Seeger line yeah, from a song, Against the Wind. But we really are pressing against, swimming against a current, walking. If, we're, if you're going to live your Christian faith with integrity and honesty, you're going to have some pushback. Does that make sense? You're going, how, do you, how do you live with that? If you don't find any pushback at all, you really, need to, you really need to try to figure out what direction am I really going? Am I flowing with the wind? Am I swimming with the current? And the current is away from God. The wind is away from God. It's against holiness. It's against righteousness. You know, Jesus said, they hated me without cause. And they will hate you because they hated me. Not because their deeds are evil. They'll hate you. You're going to find that kind of pushback. Now, I recognize not everybody's preaching these kinds of messages. I want you to be prepared. You know, I want you to live with integrity and faith. Your faith in Christ Jesus with integrity. You know, and I'm not preaching a works righteousness gospel here, but we're way too shoddy in the way we live and the things that we do, the things that we accept, the things that we espouse. Too worldly, too engaged in the world, right? We really are. And so as this thing comes down, what is this, one of the scriptures that, that comes to mind now? The man who hears the word of God and doesn't do what it says is like the man who went out and found a a big pile of sand and built his house on it. And when the rains came and the floods came, guess what happened to the house? It, It collapsed. He says, but the man or the woman who hears God's word or knows, knows what God wants to, and goes uh, once, once in a life. Now, now it's, it's, it's one thing to know. It's another thing to, to, to step into obedience and say, God, you are my God. It's not just a word in a song. You are my God. Your, your, your influence, your power, your word is here. How do I, by your spirit and by your grace, submit myself to your word? The person who does that is like the person who went out and he found a, found a pile of sand, dug through the sand, went all the way down, found bedrock, built his house on the bedrock. And the scripture says, when, when, the sun, when the rain and the floods came and the winds blew, the house did not move. Now, here's a, here's, there's a passage of scripture, and I know I'm just kind of jumping around. We'll get to the passage here. But here's... Jesus was on the side of the mountain. He was getting ready to be uh, tried and crucified. Okay? And his disciples, were they were up there with him. They'd had a wonderful meal, the Passover meal. Their, their bellies were full. They'd had a long day, so they were tired. And Jesus said to them, okay, I'm going to step over here and pray. But I, here's what, pray that you enter not into temptation. Okay? 
When we're full, when we're satisfied, we, we often don't recognize the danger that's, that's standing at the door. Jesus knew. And what did they do? They, they went to sleep. And so when the mob came and temptation to stand was, 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 was there, they ran. They folded. Okay? Again, I'm not sl- slamming the disciples. I probably would have slept and I probably would have folded too. But we're approaching a day, and we're in it now, when, we're, when, when Christianity isn't popular, when the temptation that Jesus spoke of in, in, in Matthew 24 is upon us. It says, they'll, they'll pressure you, your enemies will be in your own household. He said, the love of many will grow cold, and because of that, there'll be a great falling away. Okay, so we're, we're there. So we're being pushed against, what will you do? What will we do? How will I live? How will I be able to stand with, with, with integrity and grace and strength? Not just gutting it out, but the real thing down bone deep, spirit deep. The same kind of grace, the same kind of anointing that allowed men and women of faith years and years to stand in the face of death and persecution. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing I want to hear on Sunday morning, right? But I want you, I'm a pastor. I want you to make it. I want you to be able to stand. I want you to be able to be seen as people uh, that if they people look at you, they'll know that you're they'll know that you're believers. Not just that you go to church somewhere. I had a had a uh, he was an Air Force general, and uh, he uh, arrived in Naples, Italy, and we had had a congregation. We called it Maranatha Christian Fellowship for I don't know. It seemed the right thing to name it. And, uh, and the chapel community had a lot of different kinds of churches and stuff. And, and so this, this Air Force general, he called and called a staff in and said, Look, I'm, you know, I want to go to church somewhere. And uh, what's available out there? And the guy went through all the things. And he says, Oh, yeah, and then there's this Maranatha Christian Fellowship. These guys, they're the Bible thumpers. You don't, eh, you don't want to do that. And what they didn't know was he was a Bible thumper. And he said, ah, okay, finally, finally, finally. Against the wind. In the last couple of weeks, I've talked to you about what you are. Yeah? You're a believer, okay? You're a believer, son, son, son and daughter of the Most High God. You're believers. That's what you are. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you're a believer. You're a new creation. The scripture says that all things, all the old things have passed away. You're a new creation. Okay? And you're, you're, not, only, you're not only a new creation, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Okay? You know what that tells me? That your allegiances have shifted. I recognize today that sometimes we, 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 we have a tendency to get confused about, about where our allegiances are. We align ourselves politically and thinking that that's Christian too. I want you to know there's no political party in the world that's, a Christian, that's, that's specifically a Christian party. Okay? I just don't see it. I mean, read it, read and find out. 
Know where your loyalties lie. Make, make an intentional decision to follow Christ. And recognize that no matter what your group you may be involved in, you may find yourself in conflict with them because it's, a, it's an organization of the world. Does that make sense? That makes sense. All right. Who and what you are. You're a believer. You're, you're a new creation in Christ. You have a new citizenship, a new identity. To the, to, the, to the degree, and you see this throughout the scriptures, where God gives people a brand new name. All things are passed away. My mother called me William. Don calls me Pastor Billy. But I want you to know I have a new name. I don't know what it is. But God has called me that and he's called you that. Because you're his son. You're his daughter. Okay. Now, the, the next thing we have... We, last week I talked about the nature of sin and the flood. That's the flood of sin and how it's affecting our culture and in a sense kind of like rising like a tsunami. Okay. Today I'd like to talk to you about what makes... Not only what, what makes you different but how to grow stronger in your faith so that when the flood comes against you, you'll stand and not fall. I said that earlier. Now, we see in this, this passage that, we're, that I'm getting ready to read a line in the sand. A line in the sand. How many of us like lines in the sand? It makes things real clear, doesn't it? If you're on this side, you're on this team. If you're on this side, you're on that team. I recognize many of us would like to stand here. Anybody there? I've been there before. I mean, so I got kind of like this over here. But Galatians 5. And I started out this morning and I asked, what fruit do you like? And some of you said uh, strawberries and peaches. And, and uh, look, Caitlin told me watermelon and some kind of uh, other kind of a fruit too. She didn't, she, she didn't want to be confined to just one. Liked them both, okay? In Galatians, the fifth chapter, and Paul speaking to the, the church at Galatia, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay, interesting. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, you know, okay, okay, let me, let me just clarify that. Won't in, those who practice, this is your lifestyle. Okay? I was once there. I was once there, and so were you. Now, I'm not here to preach a, a, okay, a, a, okay, turn or burn message here, okay? But let's draw the line in the sand. God is calling us to a different kind of life. He says the fruit of the flesh is this stuff. A life that is simply dedicated. When you say the flesh, the life that's dedicated to satisfying the, the needs and the desires that, that are consistent with this world. This is the kind of fruit that it produces. Okay? He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now catch that. Now I want you to see this this whole idea of walking. Uh, And and on Wednesday night I've I've been in Ephesians the third and the, fourth, the second, third, fourth chapters, and I'll, I'll get get to that in a little bit. But the whole idea of walking, and 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 when when you see that in scripture, what he's really talking about is how you live, how you conduct your daily lives. What do Pete? What do you do? Okay, how do you live? Okay. Does that make sense? It's not about you know whether or not you can. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can be a little corny sometimes, but it's not about how you walk, whether, you, whether you're pigeon-toed, whether you walk like this. It doesn't, it's not what he's talking about. It's how you live. How do you conduct yourselves in this world that God has placed you in? How do you interact with people? How do you interact with your husband or your wife and your children? How do you interact with people at church? In other words, all the connections that you have in your life, how do you live? Yeah? Are you basically like, you know, if, if like, like I've used this, 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 this picture, this word picture, or this little story before. I mean, if you, if you give someone 20 at the, a, 20, uh, a 10 at the, uh, uh, at Topps grocery store and they give you change for a 20, are, are you, do you keep it? And say, glory to God, I got a raise. <laughs> I mean, or, 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 you know, they should have known better, and I'm, it's just good for me, bad for them. Or do you, or, or do, do you live in, a, in, a, in this, this whole thing? Has God so worked in your life that you won't sell your soul for ten bucks? Yeah? Has God so worked in your life that you'll make that decision even when the temptation to, to go the other way is there present, crouching at the door, so to speak. Huh? I mean, this is, this, is, this is not great and grand pictures of, of what, what the church is doing. This is about you and me and living for God in, 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 a, in a time, in, in a way that reflects integrity and sometimes feels like very sacrificial. Well, I could have used that ten bucks, right? Here we go. He says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control." He says, "If you live by the spirit, if that's who you're to be, then you should walk that way." That's what he's saying. Now, catch this, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you, I could do a, we could do a word study on what love is, what self-control is, what all these things. I don't want to do that. Because these are simply, these were not meant to be an exhaustive list. It's just more of a, a, a this is how, this is, this is, when God is working in you. Let me talk about this, how this works. When God is moving in you, this is the kind of fruit he produces. Yeah, 
I love the, I love the idea, the, 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 the way that it's, it's simply pictured as fruit. Now, I've got some trees along the back of my lot that they're apple trees. And some of them are bad and some of them are good. But they're apple, they're apple trees so they don't produce peaches. They produce apples. Okay? You're a believer, and God's presence and His Spirit in you will produce some things if you let Him. Now, this is, that's an interesting thing, if you let Him. Okay? Now, that's the difference between us and a tree. The tree does it automatically. But what I find, and we'll get to, we'll get to that, that portion in a, in a moment, where we participate, where we participate, God's prompting is there. But something, there's another step that we have to take for that fruit to come, come, to, come to fruition and to be born. Does that make sense? Now, for, for those of the Calvinist persuasion, they're, they're just simply going to say, well, it just happens. Well, uh, I don't think so. I don't, my pra- the, the, the practical uh, applications of this passage and how I see it lived out, you and I are involved in the process. Decisions are, are involved in the process. Our deciding. The, the interesting thing is, right, let, let me slip to John 15 real quick. Because this tells us where the source of the power is. Not, this is not, having the fruit of the Spirit is not about us gutting it out. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, I'm just going to be loving. It's like hippies. Remember the hippies? Remember this? It was like, uh, yeah, peace, flower power, you know? And this is not just, you know, this is not just a Nixon thing, okay? <laughs> it's like... It's like <laughs> I'm, I'm blown by some of the younger people here. But, it's, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, you know it's, 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 it's peace, love, joy. But I'll tell you what, you scratch the surface of that, and the old flesh comes out. We're talking about the kind where, the kind of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, that is, that is deeply uh, ingrained in who we are, not a face, not a mask that we put on. For the culture. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Masks can be taken off. They can be worn and hung up in the closet. I can have four or five. I can be what I need to be for, you, for whoever I need to be. I can just pretend. But God's not about pretending. His Spirit goes all the way into us. And his prompting is there too. So when your friends and your family say, boy, you've changed. You've changed. You've changed. It's, it's God's doing. It's God's doing. See? And it's not, it's not just something that you... It's not a coat of, coat of new paint on an old toy. Yeah? You get that picture? It's not, it's not a renovation project. It's a gutting process. John 15. Jesus said this to his disciples, I'm the true vine. Now really the, 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 the title of the sermon should be not so much what's on, your, what's on your vine, it should be what's on your branch. Because Jesus said, I am the vine. My father's the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You're already saved, he says. And God is at work. Even though there's fruit being born in my life and in your life, God is at work producing more, pruning. And as he would say, I, I, don't, I guess I've, there are things that he's done in my life that felt like he cut something off. Hurt, painful. So you see this picture here. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. We can stay on that. So if you and I want to know, how do I? How do I take this step? Abiding in Christ. I find it hard to do that. You know, on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm lazy. Anybody with me here? You know, I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not trying to give us an out, but it's not just something. Abiding in Christ is something that I have to do intentionally. Abiding in Christ. Now, I am in Him. And, you know, and, and this, there's, there's these two things going. I am in Christ because of what He has done and I, the decision I made. But there's something else that's, that's more dynamic, that's a daily thing. That's a, that's a connection thing. Because that's the picture we have here. He says, abide in me and I in you. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone who does not abide in me, he is, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, cast them in the fire, they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Interesting. Okay. So, what do we have? He says, we're the branches, he's the vine. Okay? And where's the fruit? The fruit hangs on the branches. How many, of, how many of us have ever worked with the... There's vineyards over here. On the, I, we used to have ladies who would tie up the, 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 the vines and things. I don't know what that entails. But we, in fact, I think Esther Murray did some of that. And, and uh, Verna Curtis, who's up here in the nursing home, used to do that. You've done some of that. Uh, and the branch is there. Okay, And, and what happens when the branch... No longer bears fruit. What, ha- what do the... What, she says they cut it off. Okay? Jesus is the vine. He's tapped in. We're the branch. He says, abide in me and I in you. And you'll bear much fruit. Okay? So, uh, again, what we have here in, the, in this picture, in this, in this picture of the scripture, is that when we walk with him, when we are engaged with him, he produces in us fruit. Okay? Does that make sense? That the joy is not mine. Now, I didn't generate that. Woohoo, I won the lottery, right? You know, I, can, you know, I guess I could get into that, that kind of job. I've never played, so I don't know how to play. But just, to keep you, just in case you were wondering. Okay? okay? But, you know, we can have joy. But this is a different kind of joy. This is a joy that's not attached to, uh, uh, to the things of this world. A new car, a new, uh, new promotion. All of those things are good. But this is the kind of joy that, uh, that, that persists even in the midst of difficult times. 
That's why he says, that's why it's called a, a peace. Could I say it's a peace that passes understanding, a joy that passes understanding, because it's in the face of, of, of obstacles. It doesn't depend upon whether or not the seas around you are smooth. It doesn't depend upon whether all things are going in your way or in your direction. Because you have a God inside of you, and you're at peace with Him, and He provides the sense, not only the sense of direction, but the sense of peace and the sense of power. I want to go to Ephesians 4. Now, I've been talking, I've been, I've been teaching on this on Wednesday nights and been trying to, there's this, this idea that it just, sometimes my words fail me. You ever been there? I mean, I've, the idea's here. And the words are, and I've tried to articulate it in such a way that, that it's understandable and, and you can consume it and you can get it and, and you, can, you can take it on board and you can use it. And I wrestle with that. Now, Ephesians 4 covers a, a bunch of things, and this is interesting. It says, therefore, I'm only going to read a few verses here. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk. There's that, that word, that terminology again. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you were called. Okay? That's intentional, folks. That's an, that is a, that is a, that is a, a word from, from God that says, look, you've been changed. You have to cooperate with this. I implore you to walk or to live in a manner worthy of the calling by which you were called. Okay? Now, you might say, boy, you know, pastor, I don't... Okay. You're laying a whole lot on me today. Do you, have you ever seen a believer that didn't live like a believer? Someone who called themselves a Christian, but was anything but... I'm not talking about someone who... I don't know of anybody who doesn't make mistakes or doesn't stumble from time to time. I'm talking about a person who has a cross on the side of their truck but does business in a slipshod way. Or has the the bumper sticker on the back of their car. But they're real quick to give you the high sign. Huh? Okay? Yeah? There's a disconnect. Even the world sees the disconnect. God knows, and you know, and I know, and the whole world knows. I'm sorry, I don't mean to yell. The whole world knows that there needs to be integrity. It means that what I believe and how I live needs to somehow uh, be the same. I know that there are some, you know, there's, there's drifting involved in all that, but generally speaking, very specifically speaking, if I say I'm a believer, if I say I believe in healing, if I say I believe in righteousness, if I say I believe that I need, that we need to be honest, I need to be honest. People who follow Jesus don't really follow Jesus. That's the problem. But we see here, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility 
and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. See, we can't make, we can't turn this into a law. You know, it sounds kind of like I've drawn a line in the sand, and you know, you step over here, or you're 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 out. Okay, he's just having tolerance with one another in love. I mean, how many of us know? You know, we've got a. By the way, Stephanie had her baby. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, we're seeing babies glory. I love it. I love it. But but and I'm looking at I'm looking at, the, at Jen's holding her baby back there, and this little one isn't walking yet, right? We don't expect it to walk, but there'll be times when you'll be doing this, okay? Be holding the hands. And there'll be times when they'll be first of all they'll be waddling on the ground, right? Huh? Hardly able to turn themselves over. Then they're able to flip over, and then they'll be, you know, getting up on their knees, and the hands will be very unsteady, you know, okay? And, and then there'll be times when then they'll pull themselves up on, the, on, the, on, the, on the, 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 the edge of the pew. I like that, right? <laughs> they'll be up there pulling themselves up on the edge of the pew, reaching for stuff, and then there'll be those first pensive steps, and they'll sit down. Yes, you get you get the picture. We have to have tolerance for uh, not. We, we we recognize that we have that kind of tolerance and patience and recognition when a child is is coming along. How about the believers? Do they have to be completely clean to be involved? They have to be at least on the journey, though. See, you see what I'm with patience and love. He says, walk in a manner with worthy, uh, walk in, implore you to walk in the manner worthy of your calling. With all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called uh, in, one, in one hope. Now, I want to just, if, if you, you can read that passage if you want, but there's a, I want to take, take us to the last point. And this talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you read through that chapter, you'll find this thing being repeated. Uh, living in a certain way. Walk a certain way. I, I'm imploring you. And, he's, and in, in verse 30, it's, he wraps it up. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, how does this fit in, in what you're saying, Pastor? Okay? I've talked to you about that, that God wants us to, in a sense, to, to live with integrity, the Christian life, which in, includes the bringing together of two, at least two things, God's uh, obedience to God's Word and lifestyle. God's Word and lifestyle, meeting together with obedience. What is the, what's the, and, and recognizing that this prompting comes through the connection with Jesus. Now, what is this passage that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by, by which you were sealed? See? What does that mean? It's the Holy Spirit. Now, now first of all, let me, let me say it this way. It's God's will that you and I be different than the world, than we were before. Okay? The old self, the, you know, we recognize the old self. Old William, every once in a while, old Bill, uh, wants to res- resurrect himself, you know? Wants to come back and reassert some aspect of life, okay? Impatience with people who drive Buicks. 
I'm teasing, okay? If you, got, if you drive a Buick, I like Buicks, okay? <laughs> Impatience with, uh, with, you know, you know, who knows? I mean, any variety of fleshly attributes I'm, I'm, I'm capable of, okay? And so are you if you would be honest. But God wants something different in us. It's his, he, it's, it's his will that we, not be, that we be different from the world and the old self actually dies. Now here's the difference in how that looks as articulated in the passages earlier. He's, and if you look at the Ephesians passage, there's a whole list of things we shouldn't do. And there's a whole list of things he, he thinks should characterize the believer in Christ Jesus. And we see it in the fruits of the Spirit. Here's the fruits of the flesh. And he, and he goes, impurities, sensualities, and all this. Do you live like that? And then over here, here's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, gentleness, peace, etc., etc., etc. So the Scripture's articulating how, what it looks like. You know, if you want to know what it looks like, in, in specific terms, it's there. The Holy Spirit's role. We see this. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In the context of our living for Him, the, the book of John tells us that the Holy Spirit, when He comes, what's He come? He comes, to, He will convict the world of sin. Right? One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is He will gouge us. He will put His hand upon us and make us uncomfortable with our behavior, with our words, right? With some aspect of our lives. Now, you know, that's a crossroad. God brings us to crossroads in the areas of our lives where, where He wants us to make a shift and a change. And at every crossroad, now recognize, this is not about gutting it out. This is about saying, God, I'm as good as the next guy. I'm not going to do it. Or I can say, God, you know, you know my weaknesses. You know my, fo- my foibles. You know my problems. You know the things that I do that are wrong. That's why the Holy Spirit has convicted me in this place. Recognize and show me. I remember and I shared with you before I was reading the scripture. I knew what was wrong. I knew I was living wrong. And, and, and he used terminology like there will be a weeping and a gnashing of teeth where you're going. Where you're going, you know, be a weeping or a gnashing of teeth, and somehow that sunk down deep into my spirit. I said, oh, scared the living daylights out of me. Okay? That's what the Holy Spirit does. What will you do? What do you do when the Holy Spirit puts his hand upon you and speaks to you? That's where he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It is, it is his prompting in accordance with the Word of God, because, see, the Holy Spirit doesn't work on its own. He takes the Word of God and applies it to to you and to me. And He presses us and He pricks us, pricks the heart. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, at least in this this instance. When He says, uh, walk in accordance with faith, walk in accordance with with the way that God has called you to walk, you're a believer now, here are some of the things, and this is how it looks. Love, joy, peace. Not the old life. The old life was impurities, sensualities, jealousy, strifes, etc. like that. This is a whole life over here. God wants to bring you here. Does that make sense? He uses the Holy Spirit. He uses the Word. 
What's your role? You got the crossroad. He brings brings us to it all the time. Will you and will you not? Will you say yes to me? Now I'll I'll tell you if if, this is what my this is what my prayers sound like. God, (laughs) God, I'm in way over my head. I don't know how to rearrange my behavior, but I submit to you. I ask that you help me. And when temptation comes, I'll step in that direction again by your grace and by your power. See, and here's and that's all God's looking for. So all God's looking for, he's not looking for you to uh, uh, bear, just grimace it out. He's asking you and asking me to simply lean on him and depend upon him. And, and confess our sins. What does it say? Confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Not only does he do that, he strengthens us. He strengthens us. And, in a sense, and that's part of abiding in him. Talking to Him. Walking in obedience to Him. Praying in obedience to Him. And what happens when we abide in Him? We bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. And so on and so forth. Patience. Uh, uh, you know, self-control. All of these things. I, I recognize some of us say, I want patience, I want self-control, and I want it now. Okay? I, I tell you what, uh, I've been turning dirt up in my yard with expectations and working out there, turning dirt up in the yard, thinking about buying seeds and all the other stuff with expectations that in August I'll have some, something to eat from that, okay? See, God, God, God works this way. God, God, God created all of, all of all the world, all, all things, and he knows that these little, in, these little things ultimately produce the fruit by His grace and by His power, that you and I, that He seeks, and that, you and that, that ultimately make our lives happy and, and fulfilled. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. 